You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on, Birdo here? And Birdo, we're back with another episode and it sounds like we got a Patreon question for the episode today or a Patreon suggestion for an episode today. Yeah, um, and it was actually recommended a while back, and I liked the topic. Uh, I just, I just uh, never got around to it. You know, we so fluid. All right, we have so many different ways we can go a lot of times. But the, uh, I won't read the whole email, but I, I'll paraphrase it. And the topic is is basically, it's basically a question. It's a little, it's a little deeper. You know, it's probably a little more psychological. Um, but, but a good question, uh, still. And, and the question is how the Milwaukee Latin Kings were able to identify and initiate young murderers, young men who were willing to shoot or kill for this cause. Right. And, and, um, <clears throat> and then the follow up to that is, was it in the manifesto? Well, okay. So we can, I guess we can start there and go backwards. It's not in the manifesto to to kill people it is it's in the manifesto to stand up for your people and obviously there's no limit to how there's no i mean you know just compare it to your family there's no limit to what you would do for your family right like it just that is what it is so this is what this is considered you're joining into theoretically so but it's there's nothing that says hey go kill this person or kill that person uh, so no, that's not in there. <clears throat> so um, before I get to this, you got any questions about that topic or does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. All right. So I mean, this is just my opinion, right? This is this is just how I see it. The Latin Kings, right, uh, a lot of times is like any other gang. It's a crapshoot in, in the sense of what type of member you're going to get. <clears throat> There's no full pl- foolproof plan to you know, to be able to recruit and, and find the the most elite soldiers, right? That turn into these into these shooters in the street and it's just a crapshoot. And I think that a lot of it <clears throat> when it comes to the members, it stems from obviously their upbringing and a lot of the common themes that we talk about on this show, you know, sometimes obviously when it comes to how people turn out the way they do. And, you know, different upbringings have different effects on young men. And we talk about that. I think that's common sense. And there's also there's also a point that has to be made here. And that's, you know, family lineage. I don't know. You know, it's hard. It's it's hard to really make it into a, a logical thought. Right. But when you have so many people in a family that have created this cycle or have lived in this cycle, maybe not created it, but lived in this cycle of violence. And, you know, I don't want to say it's passed down, it's hereditary, but it's almost like, you know, it's just history repeating itself. There's a lot of family roots that are dug into gangs. And when they're dug into gangs, you know, you usually get the best and the worst of that family, you know, the best being the ideal candidate to be a gang member 
and the worst being somebody who's just a hang around, right? And so, you know, you look at like my family, right? I'll just use myself as an example. Obviously, me and my brother, we were both kings from 19th Street. But before us, you know, my older brother, Ronnie, he was a king. Um, he used to be gang banging. He's known, you know, he was known for, <clears throat> you know, not the greatest things, you know, like uh, in the street, like we all are, you know, for shooting and doing dumb things. But, you know, that's that's a, that's another family tie. And then my cousin, you know, my cousin Alex, obviously, you know, he had four murders. Like I said, my brother, he had a murder, both my brothers. You know, when you start looking down the line, you think, man, you know, where does that where does that go? You know, like, is there is there different levels as far as people that are just, you know, they're they're sucked into the street and, and they have to survive. And, and, you know, and it just happens over and over and over again. Right. You know, that's that's one, you know, and then like Toot, you know, Toot's family. Look at Toot. Um, his brother, Beaky, he's a king. Same situation, kind of set up like me and Tim. And then he's got an older brother, just like me and Tim, Kui. Uh, he was a king. You know, he's in prison right now. You know, his his dad was a king. His his uncle was a king. So you look at this and you could see how, you know, the the legacy, so to speak, is passed down. You know, if you look at the, if you look back at even Kago, right? Even Kago, even, even, um, even back then, you know, you had big family names, you know, and actually, so my brother, Ronnie, um, I'm actually, we're, you know, we're half brothers and through his father, he's related to Pistol Pete and, and Beast and, you know, a lot of guys that were another family um, lineage that was embedded in Cago, uh, not one I really know too well. I know the younger guys. I know uh, I went to school with with uh, with Angel and a friend of mine, and Philip. You know, Philip. Philip was a two one most of his life, and flipped and became a king, and and uh, and ended up going to prison for the rest of his life. You know, and it's crazy because something he did as a king. But but my point of mentioning him and and my other friend Angel was that their name Mendoza was a huge name. Chicago. And so, you know, I think my point here is that these families that are, you know, rooted in these gangs, they kind of set precedent for the next generation and the next generation, next generation. You know, you always kind of look back and be like, okay, well, you know, in my instance, right, for, for me, like my cousin Alex, you know, obviously, you know, he set a high bar for what he was doing in the street, you know, and then Obviously not not such a good precedent for the cooperating aspect of it, right? When I was when I was in the street myself. And so um you tend to not not necessarily mimic that, but you know, it's, it's, as far as the street shit goes, like you try to, you know, you try to show that you can hold your own and, and I think that psychologically, yeah, it does it does take a toll on on young guys. You know, it's like um and then even with me, I, I've mentioned it before, you know, I I I vividly remember um, feeling like I always had to set myself apart from Tim and from anybody because I wanted, I didn't want to be Tim's little brother, you know, like that's, that was something that I, I aimed to avoid. I think that's a mantra that a lot of people face, a lot of young guys face. And, and then when these families are involved, it's like, 
you know, the, the, the heat gets turned up a notch. And, you know, this isn't a justification or, or an excuse as to why, you know, guys shoot and kill. But I just think that these are the things, the characteristics that, that create this. They create this and then environment and circumstance and it all comes together. And before you know it, man, like that's what you have. You have a full-blown gang member and, you know, you have them in numbers. So that's that's the first aspect. Go ahead. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you can can you think back to that time and do you think that this I, I guess I would call it pressure that you were feeling to kind of set yourself apart from Tim and you know just kind of carry on the traditions of what your family had been as Latin Kings was most of that were you getting that from other gang members like they had an expectation that you were going to be something or do you think most of that was inflicted upon by yourself like you just psychologically thought I need to be at the same level as what my other family members were. Yeah, no, it's a combination of both. Um, uh, obviously the, (laughs) the stigma around my cousin wasn't a good one. Right. So that's something that I had to overcome. You know, everybody knew that my cousin had cooperated you know, and so that put me in a situation, puts him in a situation where now it's a it's uphill a little harder. You know, you get hazed a little harder, you get pushed a little harder, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, all right, if he cracked, that's your blood, are you gonna crack? You know what I'm saying? And so you get that hundred percent. And, you know, it wasn't it it wasn't so much that my family had a legacy of being in the gangs. It's just that my, my point of, of even bringing the relevance of it is that it's it's bloodline you know it's it's uh you know it, it's family on a, on a on a deeper level um and and yeah i do agree that my own psychology had a lot to do with the pressure as well too you know uh you know i i grew up you know my father was my father wasn't like a a, a, a he wasn't great at any one thing you know, but he understood a lot of things and he understood how to be great. You know, unfortunately, he had his own vices and his own demons that prevented him, but he had the understanding of how to how to do it. And I think he tried to instill that into me and Tim. The benefit of that <clears throat> is that as you get older, you always want to be the best, right? And you always push yourself to be better. And unfortunately, that doesn't always get channeled in the right, in the right right direction. direction. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's, it's like, yeah, it it, it worked really well when we were in youth sports, you know, and, and we used a lot of those things. And and then as we got older, it transitioned into other things. But so, yeah, man, I think, I I really think that that's a, I, I really think, bro, that that's, that's a big part of it, bro, is that there's so much, there's so much history in the streets of the South side when I was coming up and when a lot of families are coming up that you're kind of, you, you know, you tie yourself to it and, and, you know, you pick a side. So that's the first aspect of this, right. Is the family, the, the, the family ties, but there's another part, right. And this is where I guess is a better answer to the question about how, you know, Latin Kings, I guess, identify and initiate. Right. So, you know, that first part is just how I think, you know, the roots create its own demon, you know, so to speak, you know, the roots create its own killer. 
um, or somebody that's willing to kill or is so enamored with this lifestyle that they believe in it and are willing to kill, you know? So um, I think that's how that's created. But then to, to identify others that have like-minded, you know, individuals, you know, I mean, let's just look at this. So Eric, right. How many times you, you got a small group of friends, right. Mm-hmm. And, and throughout your whole life, it's always been like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, would you say that's because you just like being around a certain kind of people, right? Probably, yeah. I mean, right. So, so like when you meet people, you'll know right away. Like, I just probably isn't somebody that I could vibe with like that, you know, all the time. You know, like we can't laugh about the same things, or you know, whatever it is, or you know, I smoke and he doesn't, or whatever it is. It's it's pretty to feel. It's easier to feel that, right? Would you say that? Yeah. So that's kind of how it is, bro. When you meet guys who are being initiated to your group, to your clique, you you know, you just feel it, you know, and you feel what kind of guy they are. You feel what kind of vibe. And, and then that's like a, that's like a stepping stone, right? Like I can be around somebody and I can feel like, okay, like this guy's like got the kind of energy that I feel like is, is, you know, it matches, Right. Like maybe we have maybe we we have the same um, kind of mindset about something and then you, you spend more time with them and then you start realizing, like, man, we like the same things. We we we, we do the same things. And. Uh, and that's how you find guys that are like minded and are willing to do what you do. And you're going to run into so many people that you have to weed out during that process. But that's the that that's that's the that's the give and take. You know, but it has to be organic Um, because when you try to force it, that's usually when you get guys that slip through the cracks that probably would have never made it. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So that's two part, you know, so I think I think those are those are some of the main ways, I guess you can say that, you know, they're they're created. You know, and, and, and yeah, you know, I'm trying to be careful with my words because I don't, I feel like, um, you know, when you talk about subjects like this, bro, it's like, you know, you can never be right. You can never be on the right side of this. You know what I mean? Because, you know, essentially you're talking about the question is vulgar in itself, right? How you create young killers. Right. And, and right. <laughs> I'm, I, right. And I'm not here professing that I, I know how to do something like that. Right. But to try to explain what my thought process is when it comes to got you know young kids that are created because I, I I'm I'm only speaking from what I went through, you know and and through the through my own eyes and how I felt and feelings that I felt and trying to you know bring that up to the surface you know what I mean and you know I mentioned all these things right like just about characteristics and personality and. And if you notice, none of it had anything to even do with the gang yet. And that's mm-hmm. because a lot of times, man, what creates guys into killers is the relationships that they do have, you know, because that's what it's about. That's what it starts with, right? Is you you be, you build these bonds and then it's like, do you ever want to see somebody that you love and care about hurt? Do you want to get hurt? And so, you know, in your mind, you're telling yourself, okay, well, we're all a part of this thing and we believe in this thing. And these guys are trying to kill 
us because we're this, you know, and you just go from there. You know, it, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take hold of the mind right away to say, okay, it's just about gang colors, you know, or it's about this alliance or that alliance. It's not until, it's not until a little bit later when you can actually grasp the manifesto or have a little bit of an understanding of it. Because think about this, like, I mean, if you're trying to read a philosophical book at 13 and really grasp that, like, come on, man, you know, it's, it's from the inner city, a kid from the inner city, you're lucky he can read. You know what <laughs> I mean? So, yeah, I, I, I think it takes a little while in order to really be able to put those together. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got, you got questions on it? I'm kind of, I'm curious. I just want to throw this angle, a different angle at what kind of what you just said. So you talked about how, so a lot of these people, you just get that vibe and you know what they're, they can do. And is it possible or can you think of a scenario where maybe you got that vibe with another person, but be, because of something completely unrelated to actual violence at all. And because you kind of take that person under your wing, they kind of t tend to head towards that, that to the violent side of things because you, you know, a violent person took them under their wing. Does that kind of make sense? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And that's a, that's a great question. That's, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's actually something that we've talked about in different ways so many times on this show. It's it's always relevant because we talked about it when when you when you even mentioned about you know all the chapters coming together, you know how would that turn out? And I said, well, if you put guys that were on the fence about violence around a bunch of guys that create violence, those people are going to create violence. You know, mm -hmm. if you put those guys that are on the fence about violence around a bunch of guys that aren't violent all the time, they're not going to be violent, you know? And so that's the difference is a hundred percent who you're around. Yeah. I think when, when I was like taking guys under my wing, sure. You wanted, <laughs> you, you had favorites, right? So you wanted some guys with you, right? Like you get, you know, we'd pick, I got this guy, you got this guy. And you know, you, you wanted like, you wanted some of the, I guess, quote unquote, better recruits, right? That you thought were better recruits, but, but you also wanted to understand the oddballs too, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And what made them tick. And, and says, you know, a lot of times, man, those ones that were odd, they, you know, they ended up really, really being like down for the cause. And, and, um, you know, I, I just think about this, man, like, and I, and I'll say this, you know, I guess even myself retrospectively, maybe I should I should I shouldn't say sometimes that this person or that person didn't love what they were doing or were down for us or or whatever because maybe they were but it, but it was only for a moment in time, you know, and, uh, and and I and I start to come around to that conclusion about a lot of people in life, and and you have to be content. You have to come to be content with certain things in life. And like, even like with Lauren, like, you know, just going over the math, right? Like how many times this dude shot, 
you know, for, you know, with me and, and, you know, uh, for me, you know, and to think that because of a certain situation that none of that love really existed, that's foolish. I think that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a real way to look at it is variables change people, man. You know, Lauren mm-hmm. got into a situation and there was a variable there and he had to make a decision. And, uh, but that doesn't take away what he was during a different period of his time, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I, I know I went off right there, but I was just thinking about that. And, um, well, and then the other question I wanted to bring up with this too, and maybe this is coming up in a, further along in the episode, but how much of these, let, let's just take a person that might've been thought of as being on the fence about violence and then they get sucked into a situation and they see a situation where maybe another gang is coming at you guys in the, in the violence that that other gang is willing to afflict upon you. And how much do you think that plays into a role? Because I've never seen a scenario like that, but I can imagine that if you see guys coming at you with a bunch of guns, even if you're timid about the idea of using a gun, that changes everything very quickly because you suddenly swiped into this place where, well, I have a choice. I either use this gun or I die, (laughs) you know, and how much do you think that plays into the role of turning what might not be necessarily a killer into a killer? Yeah. Um, So there's a lot of things there, right, to unpack. I think, you know, right away, you know, I I think the word, I think to use the, to just toss around the word killer, I think, first of all, is is kind of, it's kind of, I feel like it's excessive, right? Because I think um, killer has a serious undertone. Uh, you know what I mean, and and it. But okay, then opening it, opening the person up to violence. You know. Yeah, like, yeah, like violence, yeah, I, I know what you mean. You know what I mean, yeah. I, and and maybe I'm wrong about that, right? Because I, I think, yeah, you're right. Guys are that are willing to shoot more than one person, um, that technically makes them a killer, right? So I I, I guess I can, I can um, agree with that. I just I I don't know. I guess the word just sounds a little bit yeah heinous, a little heinous. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> but. But yeah, so I bro, I think, you know, it's funny, bro. I think like along those lines, right? First of all, when people, when once it gets to a point where you're out with somebody, right? And, and violence jumps off, like, I don't know, man. Like, I guess it, it could be like first dayers. But a lot of times, like you have a little bit of camaraderie with the guys you're with. You know what I'm saying? Um, and... You know, how it affects them. Yeah, it affects them in a bunch of different ways because this is going to prove not just to themselves if this is the kind of thing they want to be involved in, but it's going to prove to everybody else because everybody's watching. Even though everybody else is fighting, they're watching. Who's there? Who's helping? Who's not? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, all of that is important. And so, you know, I think... I think there's instances where guys get propelled into the gang um, kind of by themselves and why they hesitated in the first place. It, you know, that could be a different reasons. Like, but I always think about like platinum and, you know, platinum was never like, he was never a King. And, you know, by all intentions, he didn't really want to be a King from, from, from everything that I read about him. You know what I'm saying? He was a hustler. He made money. Um, <clears throat> 
you know, and he made money with, with, to be fair, he made money with guys that weren't Kings, you know, guys that were in different gangs. And that's the way money making is about, you know? Um, so, you know, nobody held that against them, but I can see why he never would never want to be a King, you know, but he also loved how we were with each other. You know, he would be around us and be like, man, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we were just, we were always there for each other, no matter what. And, um, you know, he was there for us. I, I I don't know if I told this before, but literally, bro, we're driving. I remember we we're driving one time and we're we were deep in a big body caprice. I don't know if you know what that is, Eric, but I'm sure the majority of my listeners do. But okay. uh, <laughs> but a big body caprice is just basically a Chevy Caprice, you know, usually in the eighties, something like that. Big box car, right? And so, man, it was like me, Fro, Black Cat, I don't want to say Tim, Lawrence, it's probably like six of us in there, maybe seven of them, right? We're, we're piled in there deep. It was wintertime. I remember we were driving around like, man, I want to say it was like seventh and, you know, close to beach here. We're going towards Kosciuszko and and there's a guy in the corner. He's like, he's like looking at the car as we're like slowly driving by, you know, because it's wintertime. So it's like, you know, you ain't trying to be driving all fast and, and there's snow or whatever on the ground probably. And uh, the guy like kind of just mugging, you know, he's, he's, he's staring at a car, staring at a car. We're all like twisting our neck looking. And, you know, before you know it, you know, Mando, he's like uh, platinum. We used to call him Mando. Platinum was just a made up name. I explained that story before though. But anyways, so he goes, is he goes, is he with y'all? You know, just like that. Like he's not, you know, cause platinum's not, he wasn't nothing. He wasn't a king. He was nothing. And so he don't know what this guy is. And we're like, no, he ain't with us. He goes, all right. Opens up his door and starts shooting at him. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? Just like that, you know. And uh, that was that was that was like his own way to like, you know, he propelled himself into our way of life. And and then when he went to prison, he ended up he ended up being a king uh, while he was up there, or while he's still up there. But he should be, he should be getting out pretty soon. But yeah, because I think they gave him like twenty five years for that murder or something. But yeah, so he always comes to mind, man, when I think about somebody who was who was outside and then and then kind of just seen it and then you know, they're like the choice is made. You know, mm-hmm. you got you got to kind of do it or or you don't. I've seen guys that go the other way. I've seen guys who uh you know, they would they would be kicking it, you know, everybody's having fun and then you know, when it looked like it was it was uh it was go time, they weren't ready. You know, and they seen like, this is not something I'm ready for in my life, you know, and they would be smart. You know, that would be the last time they come around, you know, see, cause that happens too, Eric, like guys might just show up to a party and kick it at a party, you know, and, and think that they can be around and they see how it is just to be around. It's not even just to be around Kings. Um, and this is, I'm talking about way back then, right. Um, mm-hmm. not just to be around Kings when they were doing dirt. Right or or whatever it was, but just to be around Kings in general when they when they just um, when we were just moving, you know, and and so when we be in a house with people that weren't like that, you know, they would be like kind of you know like man like what like in shock, you know, and all that we carried ourselves like that, and, and they, I would it's both ways. Yeah, and I was I would assume that the route of seeing that for the first time and then just kind of disappearing after you've seen that because you realized this isn't for me. That was yeah. probably the more common one. Yeah. Yeah. We had a dude, we had a dude. So yeah, 
I think about this story. I don't know if I I don't know if I told this before. I probably told a ver a partial parts of it um from when I talked about <laughs> when I talked about um punching that guy Chaz. Um because there was there was two incidents I had with him, the Sawyer guy. But you know, if I'm being fair, right, and and I'm sure a lot of the the guys that were around, like solid guys, Sawyers, you know, if I'm being fair, man, there were a lot of guys that were around the Sawyers that shouldn't have been. You know, and um, but but to you know to be fair, they're probably just trying them out, seeing if they were. And we found out really quick a lot of them weren't. <laughs> and uh, I remember it, this one time, bro. It was just like a. I, I promise you, man. It was this. And this is a no insult on you. This is this is no insult on you. But I promise you, this guy was just like a goofy white kid, like a goofy <laughs> white kid. And I promise you, he had no. He had no. I felt like he had no reason to be where he was at. And they called him Dopey. His name was Dopey, right? And he was a Sawyer. And I promise you, bro, he probably was around like a week, maybe maybe, a, maybe a week or something, but that I knew of. But this dude, you could just tell. He was like one of the guys, like he was kind of trying to act like he needed, you know, like he should be around. And maybe like the guys that he was around at the time weren't really like actively doing a lot of things in front of him. So he didn't really know what the real scoop was, but man, you know, the funny part is I think he, I, you know, I hope this isn't true, but I think he even got made. Right. And so, but he wasn't, he wasn't a king for long, man. I'm telling you, he wasn't a king for long. And this night I'm talking about, it's funny. We were, we were by to do Chaz's house. It was on 17th. It was like one of the first times, uh, you know, snuff had just, had just got out recently and I, and I believe it was one of the first times I had, we had really just, you know, hung out and we were all there, you know, me, him and, you know, some other guys from 19th Street and we were drinking. And the guy Dopey, you could just tell, like, he was completely out of his element. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he's seen like, okay, these guys are really serious about, you know, how they do this. And he ended up like getting drunk and passing out, right? And so, you know, obviously we terrorized him. You know, I think I used like, I want to say like two full cans of air freshener on his pant on his pants, right? So they were like they were like soaking wet with air freshener, <laughs> like for I don't even know it was like potpourri air freshener or something. And uh, <laughs> he's he's knocked out, right? He's passed out, and and later in the night, or I guess later in the morning, right? Because it's probably like four or five in the morning. Uh, one of the brothers, right? Uh, he actually had a spot at the time. He was, I think he was the, he was, he might've been a Kasinka, uh, Bobo. So his sister was there and she dug in Dopey's pockets. Right. And I think she like grabbed a couple of dollars from her son. I don't know. I didn't see it. Right. So we were just kicking it, you know, and, um, still kicking it. And the guy Dopey gets up and he starts talking about it, you know? And so that's how we knew. Yo, yo, somebody went in my pockets, this and that. And so that's like a big no-no, right? Like, I don't care, you know, like, jokes aside or not. Like, even though we don't know where this guy's at, you know, even though I don't think he's probably never going to make it. But at this point, he's, you know, he's still a brother or whatever. He's a prospect, whatever the case was. So, obviously, we took the accusation seriously, you know. And so, uh, you know, we're looking around. We're looking around. We're, you know, we're questioning people. What's going on? Like, you know, what do you see type shit? And the, the guy, this is actually why I ended up punching the guy, Chaz. He he was like, put his hand up, you know, because he was actually kind of trying to lay down too. It was his house, but, you know, he couldn't hang with the big boys. You know what I mean? We're still up drinking. He 
And uh, and so he raised his hand up like, hey, you know, I didn't want to say nothing, but, you know, you know, what's her name went into his pockets and while he was asleep. And so that right there, it, it you know, it created a bunch of things. I take that back. That wasn't one of the first times I hung around with Snuff. This is already the summertime. So we and Snuff had been thick as thieves at this time. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But immediately, so that created a bunch of different issues that just happened. One, obviously the fact that she took from a king, right? Um, and she's a relative to somebody who's got a spot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then another part was the fact that this guy seen it and didn't do nothing about it. And so, you know, all those elements got to be checked off the list in order for the situation to be copacetic, so to speak, you know? And so the first thing we did was approach her and she denied it, denied it a hundred percent. And I said, all right, well, obviously we're not going to put our hands on her. So we told Bobo, you know, and whatever happened between them, that was their personal business. But we did what we had to do on our end. That was where we could end for that. And then the next issue was, was Chaz, you know? Yeah, we ended up, I, I think I punched him a couple of times, nothing major. And, and so, yeah, he had to, he had that coming for allowing Dopey basically to get robbed. And uh, so, although we ventured off there, the main point there is that Dopey didn't belong. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, so that was his graceful exit. That should probably be my gang name is Dopey because that's probably <laughs> I would have ended up being if I yeah, had ever he, joined a gang. <laughs> yeah, he was he was literally seriously like blonde hair, blue eyes, like shouldn't definitely shouldn't have been um, around, man. And and so I got a I got another like a partial uh, a partial request um, for a question. So I figured it's a good time to bring it up, and you might not have any insight on this. You know, but I guess I can ask you right out the gate, like, you know, I guess throughout the last, you know, 20 years, right? Do you remember a time where you felt like violence was really, really high in Milwaukee at its highest? Because it's high now, obviously. That's really hard for me to answer because I live far enough away from Milwaukee that I don't really, I'm not really on the pulse of Milwaukee. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, I really good, don't ever even know how bad violence is in Milwaukee. Okay. All right. So that's good. I mean, it's not, it's not completely relevant to the, to the, to the topic, but so the question was about, it's basically, it's basically what, what, what is gang banging today compared to during my time and even before me, you know, and I think gang banging is from my understanding all intensive purposes, it's basically non-existent to a certain extent. And I'll explain that. So we'll go with the comparison before I explain that. Obviously, I feel like gangbanging probably at its peak was probably in the mid-90s, you know, 90s. And and that's because um, there were so many different elements that were involved at that time. You know, you could be, you could be in a fist fight, you could be in a knife fight, you could be in a bat fight you could be in a whatever fight and then you could get shot you know what i'm saying you could get killed there were just so many different elements i think in the 90s man i think that was probably one of the most dangerous times to live and you know there's a bunch of reasons for that there's a bunch of reasons 
you know, there's a bunch of different variables that that make that time frame different. You know, one being the neighborhoods. Guys had neighborhoods. Guys had established neighborhoods where you knew if you went to that neighborhood, you could find your op. You know, you could find your, your you could find your enemy, and so that element was huge, and and so that's why you know speed speed up to my generation. That's why things were a little bit di- different. We were, you know, we still had different elements of gang banging. We still did fight, but it wasn't as prevalent. You know, it it, it transitioned into a lot more gunplay, and you know, I think my era was probably the propeller of gunplay. And I'm just, I'm not talking about like my generation of people. I'm talking about my era, like that, that time frame. I think that propelled it to what it is today, which is all gunplay. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> nobody has a heart, nobody has a, nobody has a, any type of, you know, consideration life is the value of life has went down. I feel like when it comes to the street life, like there's no, there's no consideration. I think there used to be some rules, um, but now it's like dudes are just willing to, to go all out. And so to come full circle to my point about it being basically non-existent is I believe gangs are, are there as a, it's it I think it's just there as a as a I guess as a front, I guess is the best way to put it. Um because it's not even about the gang anymore. It's about it's about what you're doing. You know, it's about what you're doing in life. So if if it's if it's just you and your guys, like yeah, the gang is a is a good cult, but it's just you and your guys. And I think the circles got smaller. You know, I don't think there's as many big groups and um I think guys evolved. Like I said, you know, I feel like that was that was the streets way of trying to adjust to these big ass Rico indictments and, you know, trying to play the cat and mouse game with the authorities is OK, well, they want to play that game. So then you get a smaller group. You know, you have a smaller number of people that you're exposed to. And so I think, yeah, gangs are still relevant, but it might be 30 different clicks under one gang umbrella, you know, which makes it harder. And I think we talked about this on previous episodes where we kind of your kind of understanding of it is, is these little clicks, they don't they're not really coming together at all. They're they're all separate groups that just happen to use this name. Right. And I I think if I'm being fair, I don't even think they use the name that much. I think they use the name probably to each other um, because I don't feel like guys are gang banging anymore. Like, I don't feel like the gang is. Um, the priority anymore. You know, I feel like the, it's gotten to a point where it's been stepped on so many times that it's kind of about who who you're around. You know, that's, that's really the, the important part is who's your, who's your closest, you know, I think that's smart. You know, I think it's smart. I think it's healthy. You know what I mean? Like be closest to people that you're close with. I think that's a good adjustment. You know, but I just, you know, obviously I don't recommend the street, the street element of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you think about that. How do you, you want to talk about whack-a-mole, like how do you, you can't chase that. You know, it's, it's hard to chase unless, you know, obviously you break one of the guys in a three-man click, right? So, so. And, and would you say, so like 
we hear about a murder in Milwaukee that's tied to the south side. This is more or less maybe two of these groups just got into a scrap with each other over something, something, and that that's it's not necessarily like turf wars or anything like that. It's just two two separate groups run into each other and something happens. It's not, yeah, yeah. A lot you don't really that, think a it's lot, like bro, I think I think that's where we're at in this day and age that the value of life is that, bro. Like you got a guy. A guy can be from 60, 61st, and and another guy could be from 62nd, and they're both GDs, but they bump into each other at the gas station. It's not like back in the day where they might square up and fight, you know, if they really felt some type of way about it. Dudes are shooting, man, you know, and and just just worrying about it later. And, you know, then bullets don't stop. (laughs) Once they hit one person, they keep going. So it's like, you know, I don't know, man, that, 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 uh, that element is is nothing that I've ever seen, you know. Like in my generation, yeah, it, it was progressing, and then in the generation before me, I think in a generation before me, it, it, it's hard to say that they felt safer. You know what I'm saying? Because their their violence was probably peak at peak. It was probably one of the worst. But I can say it was like they might have felt a little safer because they didn't always feel like they needed a gun. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like in my generation, we always felt like we needed a gun. You know what I'm saying? Because we knew what we were doing. So it's like, if somebody catches us without a gun, like, all right, now we're, you know, you live by, you die by. That's the way it goes, right? Like, um, that's that's the way we thought. So we thought we always had to have it. You know what I mean? And I think now you can't not have it. You know, like now it's like you have to have a gun, you know, Um, or somebody around you has to have a gun. Because you never know. Like, you really never know. And uh, I mean, I'm talking about anything, bro. Traffic stops. Like, people be at, uh, or not traffic, what is it? Road rage. Yeah. Dudes be killing each other. Like, it's 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 all over the place. So, I think so those you, are my comparisons from, from gangbanging, from the, from the different generations. So... Because I'm I'm not into to this. So are you saying that you think violence is actually there's less of a per se gang presence in Milwaukee right now, but violence is still probably up from like your generation because they are so trigger happy. Or do you yeah. think that that the violence doesn't happen as much because they're just not out there starting stuff between each other because it is like now there's no longer the the option where it might be a fight or it might be a shooting. It's just always a shooting. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the uh, I think it's just the evolution of of the you know of the street life is that it's it's always it's always the gun now. I think that's that's just the mindset you have to have going into every setting. Like even if even if you don't, even if, you know, the, whoever it is doesn't have a gun, like you just, you approach it like he does because it's like, okay, is this situation I'm in, whatever it is, am I going to lose my life potentially? You know what I'm saying? Or are we going to have to, as a family, you know, defend ourselves in this situation? And now you're talking about other consequences, right? So it's like that, I, I feel like that's where it evolved to. I don't think like, as far as the volume, I think that I think that the volume is up, first of all, and that the recklessness is higher. 
the numbers are obviously higher just based on the fact that there's more volume, if that makes sense. So, so it's, it's, it's kind of irrelevant about the gangs per se um, and their participation, because as a whole, the street is telling you that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, with or without the gang, it's getting worse and worse and worse, you know? Um, So I don't know. I don't, I, I can't sit, I can't say, the gang isn't outside because you know what I'm saying? It ain't, it ain't fist fights no more. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think, I think they're, they're ballsy enough to, to, to be in the street. It's just, you know, I feel like if I'm being honest where I sit at, you know, if I'm trying to be analytical, I feel like a lot of guys are just, they're just gunshot, man. A lot of guys are like, damn, two indictments, you know, within 10 years and you know obviously i felt like you know it's been how many years since since you know our indictment was the last one so i feel like a lot of guys just literally got gun shy you know and then and then before you know it you know laying low for a while turned into a little while longer and then laying low probably turned into being a damn dad at home if you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's like <laughs> And it's like, damn, am I going to go back to the street now? You know, and and uh, I think we got a lot of those guys on uh, on our podcast, man. A lot of guys that just probably, you know, they they weren't necessarily, they didn't leave the the street and on any bad terms or anything, but they just realized like, what the hell am I doing, man? You know what I'm saying? Because there was a time, bro, even when I was out in 05 where everybody was like on some lay low type shit, you know, and that was way back then. Obviously, there was there was no way we could lay low enough. Right, because the indictment was coming, but dudes are trying, bro. Like even that summer, I remember like having an issue, um, getting guys together to have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody wanted to to be involved in a quote unquote meeting, and you know what I'm saying? Like it was it was like guys were 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 shook, and rightfully so though, because we had been getting you know information, guys in the joint, yo, there's an indictment coming down, there's an indictment coming down. Obviously, they knew first because they started getting lawyers and, you know, people appointed to them. So now, when you think about the street life that you lived in the street life that people are living or what your perception of what they're living now is, is what do you, which one do you think is more scary in your opinion? Oh, definitely now. Definitely now. Definitely now because one, because I'm older, right? And when you get older, you're like conscious of everything. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. So it's kind of yeah. a hard judgment to make, actually. Yeah. But yeah, but if you look at just the stone, just the numbers, just the raw numbers, like dudes are literally just they're they're reckless now. Like it's not even it's not. And I'm talking about from everything. Like I I never remember in my in my upbringing as many high speed chases as I see now. Like you know what I mean? Like they didn't have to have speed humps on random streets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like dudes are doing shit that. You know, I've we've never, you know, seen as, uh, you know, as kids. And so um, definitely this generation is a different one. It's a different one, man. So basically, they've probably done a very good job of eliminating like the big gang per se, but really haven't solved any of the problems because it based on what you've said so far, it almost sounds like everything is progressing 
the way I would have expected it would have progressed, but now they're just not out there in a big group of per se Latin Kings. They're just divided up into so many different little groups that when a murder does happen, you can't really pin it on one big group because there isn't one big group. There's, there's 50, 200 little groups and it's like, well, you know, nobody knows the, the Mendoza gang or something like that, whatever it might be. Right. So, so this is the way I look at it, bro. Right. And, and tell me if this is a, this is a, this is a different twist. Right. But tell me what you think about this. Right. So gangs in general, you think about a gang, um, let's just say a huge gang. Let's just say the Latin Kings. Right. How convenient as law enforcement, would you rather have a hundred members of Latin Kings and they have a structure and a hierarchy in in which they listen to for the most part. Or mm-hmm. would you rather have a hundred Latin kings that govern themselves? Right. So yeah, so I, that's that's the evil you have to ask yourself for. You know, do you in, in some aspects people look at gangs like, okay, well they keep people together, you know, and you know, some kids are in search of that structure. You know what I mean? Because without it, they're just going to be wild and lost. And um, I'm not advocating for gang life. Obviously, I'm against it. But I'm just saying this is what this is what the higher ups probably have to analyze and think about. You know, these these FBI's and all this that you you want to cut the head off the snake. Well, what happens to the rest of the body? Like, you know what I mean? Right. Right. You're you're cutting up a worm, and that worm is now squirreling around with a hundred different pieces. And now you have to right. deal with a hundred different pieces instead of the one main right. thing. So yeah, with no voice, right. With no voice, no direction. And so, right. I mean, and at I, least, I think that's, that's just the ongoing problem. Go ahead. Yeah. And at, at least with the Latin Kings, there was some structure. There was, there was the Latin King manifesto that had some rules and guidelines that people followed by, but now, you're not even I mean, seeing now, that they're they're yeah, kind not. of making it up as they go and right and now it's like it's it's like a be careful what you wish for kind of thing like yeah you got rid of the the top dogs you got rid of the structure you knocked you you knocked the Latin Kings into oblivion in Milwaukee in so many ways but be careful what you wish for because there's still kings there but mm-hmm. now they just govern themselves you know what I'm saying and. You know, and and I think that's that's like I said earlier, that's their way of evolving. Their evolution is okay. Well, you want to indict us for Rico because there's a large scale of us. So, okay, we'll just we'll be in groups of two, groups of three. You know, and then now it's you know you're you're exclusive to to information with those two or three guys, and at least you know if you go down, you know who told. You know what I'm saying, like. I guess that's the, that's the one good thing, you know. If two, three guys get caught up, I mean, one of the guys, you know, it's one of the guys. You know what I mean? So, and and I'm curious if if this is the structure that it's going to and where it where it has headed. In your opinion, knowing what you know from the way it was, what you see now, is there a way to end? this little microstructure that they have going on? Or do you think that just exists forever? Right. Well, I mean, first of all, let me just clearly state that I have 
no inside information as to exactly how it's right. going. So right. I'm, just, I'm, just, like- I'm just guessing, right? I'm just guessing as to what I think it has become, you know what I'm saying, based on um, the atmosphere that is on the south side of Milwaukee, right? So that that's my guess. Um, but to answer your question, um, you know, I don't know. It would take – it would probably take a really, really strong domineering figure to – be able to organize and to, uh, I guess, like D D click up these little groups that probably formed. Um, it, it would probably take a really, really strong personality, somebody who's got a lot of juice, somebody who's got a long reputation and somebody that is basically willing to go to war with the guys that say no, you know? So I think that's the only way it would go back to being anything to what it used to be is if that guy had support and those guys are willing to go to war. And the irony is, yeah, they probably would have to go to war within themselves. Cause you know, there's probably a lot of people that would never go back. You know, it feels too, it feels too good to do what you want to do and not have to listen to nobody. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like, I feel like this is like your generation Many, many years ago, this is how this all started. And then they formed these little groups because I kind of feel like everything happens in a circle, you know, and coming off of your generation, that second indictment might have killed that or reset that circle. So they all divided into little groups and eventually over time, those little groups are going to start banding together to create something big again. And then the government's going to come in and shut that down you know, stomp that big group out and then they're just going to go off and separate into small groups again. And it's just like a never ending circle. Right. I mean, cause if you look at it, right. Like, I mean, hypothetically, um, like where I'm at, right. 35, you know, my, obviously I was probably the youngest, always the youngest around my clique, right. Like my generation, um, you know, the generation of guys is usually, they're probably close to 40, right? So anywhere between 37, 38, 39, 40, maybe up to 42, and then even my old school guys, right? So where would we be right now in the gang? We'd all be the old school guys. You know, we'd all be old heads. So if we were active, we would all have spots. We would all have um, juice. You know, we would all have a say-so. And so there would be a lot of, cooler heads prevailing, you know, for a lot of situations. But with that being said, you can't, you can't dictate terms on a spur of the moment situation, you know, uh, instinctual situation. You can't, you, you can never prepare for that. So even if you have the soundest structure in place with guys with sound minds, you know, relatively speaking, it still it still doesn't take away that element and therefore doesn't take away violence and therefore that's why like you said they always come get them you know round them up that's, so this uh this episode took a kind of a scary turn at the end cuz i guess we never really had this conversation and and quite frankly the conversation is just kind of terrifying yeah, no, it is. It is definitely. Yeah, because like if you think about it with the level of violence that you're suspecting exists now, 
if that is accurate and and if all of these people come together and create one massive organization at that level of violence that's a very scary thing you know yeah 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 i mean so. that's the thing man is that you know it's like these these indictments and and um you know all the the tactics that are used they're all obviously they're all necessary is a good word right because you have to have you, you can't have chaos that's what that's what these gangs do they breed chaos but if we're looking at it from the outside right ultimately ultimately it looks like you have a handful if you can picture this a handful you know a, a jumbled up group of people kids that are from dysfunctional households that are from all these elements that create not great adults and then you have them stored into little pockets you know and these little pockets are basically gangs and then you take those covers off and now all those pockets are gone and it's just anarchy everywhere you know what i mean it's just it's chaos it's everybody um surviving you know what i mean and and uh that's what it is about right now man honestly is about survival you know surviving day-to-day life is really what it's about now so okay that is really scary so <laughs> yeah that's what we do man we aim to please here man we, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just it's all about motivation here <laughs> All right, well, that's what I got, man. Yeah, no, that's what I got, man. That's the that's the end of the road right there. And that's the end of the road. So, all right, with that, we can wrap this episode up. As always, we do have a Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com slash normalized crime, as you heard. You can suggest show topic ideas as the first part of this show was a show topic idea. So um, and also if you do have any questions, comments, or anything you want to reach out to us for, you can reach us at normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And Berto, do you got anything to add? Uh, no, nah, man, just, I appreciate everybody. Um, uh, I appreciate everybody continued support the emails, you know, um, I appreciate the, just the feedback and, uh, no, nah, I think, I think, uh, I think we're heading in a real good direction, man. I just appreciate everybody tuning in. So that's all I got. All right. Thanks, everybody, then again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.